Hello and welcome to this, the eighth edition of the increasingly mighty, well described, uh, Premonition podcast with an AI on the future. And uh, today's guest was Greg Brown. Greg is a partner at uh, Oxbow Partners here in uh, here in London. Oxbow are consultants to or advisory firm to the insurance industry. Their clients include some of the largest reinsurers, insurers, and brokers in the world. And their particular area focuses on strategy, digital, and M and A. And I was particularly keen to bring uh, Greg on board with this podcast for a couple of reasons. One, premonition certainly are um, becoming more and more embedded within the insurance industry. So it was a personally a fascinating discussion for, for me and for us. But also because Oxbow at the end of February produced a report called the InsureTech Impact 25, where they identified what they believe are the 25 InsureTechs that are best placed or well placed to impact the industry in 2018 and beyond. And although uh, their focus uh, generally and certainly within the report is on European startups, some of the issues that we discussed and were raised within that report about um, how incumbents in the insurtech market are beginning to become more and more integrated, uh, the relationship between the two and how, in fact, Oxbow and uh, other advisors act as a bridge was really fascinating. So I forced Greg to pluck two or three of the startups from the 25 just to illustrate the kind of companies that uh, they've included. And so it's my fault, not his, if you were one of the 22 that didn't get included, although there is a link to the full report within the podcast page and obviously via Oxbow. So Greg very kindly kind of goes through some of the reasons, some of the criteria. But before that, uh, what is particularly fascinating is his insight about how the incumbents and the technology companies are beginning to draw closer and closer. And in their words, the market is transitioning from hype to impact, from ideas to execution. So really fascinating look at it. Uh, I love the conversation. We're about to attend the RIMS annual conference in San Antonio. Uh, the premonition team are, are going to be there where we will be actually talking and bridging that gap with the incumbents ourselves. So really useful. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, without further ado, oh, one small thing. Greg did have a couple of moments where, uh, or some moments where he was a little muffled. Uh, but this is a, you know, this is a unedited, unedited raw, um, imperfect podcast recording. Uh, but each time it happened, the content was so great, so rich that I didn't want to stop it. So I apologize in advance for the one or two imperfections, but I hope you otherwise enjoy a really fascinating discussion. Without further ado, I give you Greg Brown. So it is a very great pleasure to welcome uh, Greg Brown, a very fine post-Easter welcome to the Premonition podcast. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for joining us. Now, as the listeners already know a little bit about you, Greg, I'm going to ask you uh, to go into a bit more detail about Oxbow Partners. But um, just to set the scene a little bit, I mean, every sector has its emerging tech arm. The insurance market is no different. And Oxbow Partners created a review. In fact, I only just learned from Greg, it was only released at the end of February, but a review of those that are leading the way uh, in the insurtech market with a report called InsureTech Impact 25, where Oxbow have identified the 25 insurtechs they believe are well-placed, best place, Greg will explain more, to impact the industry in 2018 and beyond. Um, so just before we go into a deep dive on that, Greg, a little bit about Oxbow Partners. Yeah, so very quickly. So hello, I'm a partner at Oxbow Partners. We're an insurance-only consulting business, and uh, we help our clients transform their businesses. We work in three areas, strategy, digital, and M&A. Uh, we're best known for our work in insurtech and innovation. So for example, one of the ones we can talk about uh, we helped Munich re 
through the strategy for and um, the initial eight months of build of Munich Re Digital Partners, which is a product platform providing capacity into insurance distribution startups. Um, but we do help our clients with a much broader remit than just InsurTech and innovation, as you would expect from a consultancy business. And I think our, our key differentiator is a focus on action. We're much more interested in results than we are in PowerPoint. You might call it strategic implementation. So taking people from an idea at a high level of what they're trying to achieve to making it happen in reality. And that's the type of thing that our clients uh, use us for. Super. All right. That's, that's a great background. So let's let's dive into this report. Uh, give us a background to what it uh, to where it came from, what you were hoping to do with it. It's a very embryonic market in short tech market. But just give us a background to the report itself. Well, so as a business, so we've been tracking InsurTech since late 2015, um, in the days when it wasn't even called InsurTech, um, or not at least consistently. And over the last couple of years, we've been doing a weekly uh, blog post, we call it our bite size. It's 400 words or fewer about an InsurTech startup of some form across all the different, different types. And we were getting to a point at the end of this year when we were kind of starting to see the same things again and realizing when we talk to our executive clients, their biggest challenges is working out actually which of these can I can I engage? Which of these have more than just a kind of picture of a proposition? They actually can have an impact on our business. And along with the, the shift from the kind of massive hype in InsurTech, which was happening in late 2016 and early 2017, it just felt like the time for us to help our clients and help the broader industry understand where they should focus, which are the few InsurTech businesses, we call them technology-led businesses, not just kind of startups, that could actually help insurers, incumbents have an impact in this calendar year. So that was the rationale behind it. The idea of doing um, a report that it's freely available to anyone who wants to read it. It was freely available to anyone who wanted to participate. And that just felt like a great way of providing uh, as an objective as possible view on the few businesses that we think people should be engaging with. Well, listen, it's, it's a really great report. And for those that are interested in it and who want to read it, perhaps even while listening to the podcast, there is a link uh, at the foot of the uh, podcast page on the Premonition website uh, where you can download or access this report. So, so tell me this, what, were the, uh, what was the criteria for consideration in, in narrowing this down? I mean, there's hundreds of companies that perhaps call themselves insurtech companies. Yeah. But, and also being so embryonic, I'm guessing revenue is pretty not not a major factor in some of these companies or, or how you view them as making that no i mean five yeah well in, in simple terms there was a set of criteria around one it has to be new in some way so there was a minimum threshold um companies founded um after 2007 for example uh they had to have tech-led and in some way innovative propositions they needed to be independent businesses, not just subsidiaries of larger companies. And then for, to your, talking to your point about revenue, uh, they needed to have some revenue, again, because if they don't have any revenue, there's no evidence, therefore they can actually have an impact in 2018. But we didn't want them to be too big, so we were said uh, sub 10 million of um, UK uh, pounds. Um, and just for kind of one other piece of information, so we're focusing initially on Europe because... I mean, that's the majority of our clients are European-based, and you've got to start somewhere. Yep, absolutely. Well, it's a big enough market to, to attack. So just a couple of things. Yeah. So the, the, there are some preliminary, uh, um, some introductory paragraphs and sections before you get to your 25, and we're going to have a look. 
perhaps at two or three of those. But interested to get your view on how the incumbents are uh, engaging with the emerging tech and whether that's, even within the small time frame we're talking about of only two or three years, whether that's already changing. Absolutely. I mean, as I said, when I was, we were talking before, that uh, if you look at 2016 and early 2017, there was a huge amount of hype around InsureTech. Um, lots of people having lots of conversations. If you were a startup back end of 2016, early 17, you could guarantee that you would get a meeting with very senior people in pretty much any insurance business, no matter the, what maturity of your, your business. I mean, you could have literally some slides describing an idea that you had and you would get a meeting with with large with large insurers or brokers and we've seen that shift in the last 12 months the incumbents have been doing lots of trials they've been typically small trials there have been some kind of larger examples but typically small trials and there's a there's a general frustration with the ability to shift these from these small trials into scale implementations, either that be working with um, insurtechs that do distribution. So if you think of some of the likes of Bought by Many, who um, in essence group on for insurance, they find clusters of people with bespoke insurance requirements, like cyclists who want cycle liability insurance, or um, pet owners who own pug dogs, which are particularly valuable dogs and quite hard to insure, um, either on the distribution side or the supplier side. So providing um, services into insurance businesses and we've as i said the incumbents have been trying these experiments at the end of late 2017 getting frustrated with the lack of scale um and so we're now hence this report and so we're seeing this shift to okay i need to take these things more seriously i need to stop just having a conversation with every startup that comes to my door and actually get much more strategic about where i focus what i do and how i make these things, as I've said a number of times, scale. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I suspect what I'm, well, can I phrase it, the phony war of 2016 to some extent, you know, both sides kind of aware of each other, allowing each other to meet, but actually not really yeah. actually driving it through to any kind of conclusion. And I guess certainly from the incumbents, it's, you know, are these, are these companies actually going to survive? Are they going to make any difference? Is there any evidence of impact? Um, and from the startups, point of view every startup is thirsty for a meeting so i can see why they met in 2016 but of course the results perhaps were a little underwhelming but but i picked up from your report that we've shifted into an era where it's changed from ideas to execution and where yes. the boards of these major incumbents are actually saying some of these insure techs now can have an impact on our bottom line and that's making the yeah. crucial difference of engagement i mean just go into that in more if that's right is, is that happening uh, sorry, say that last bit again. Simply the shift from ideas to execution, you're seeing that actually happen. Yep. Sorry, yes, uh, absolutely. So if we divide the challenge um, on the execution side into three buckets, then it's probably quite helpful. So one is how do you identify the startups that are going to enable you to make, to have an impact? Uh, two, how do you get them or how do you onboard them in a way that uh, can be done quickly and nimbly? And then thirdly, how do you scale them um, significantly? And obviously on the identification side, we're trying to tackle that head on with this report, helping you identify the few that you should talk to. Um, 
you, when you get to the onboarding and scaling, it becomes much more around internal processes and procedures to allow you to access businesses that you're not typically designed to do so. For example, if you, I mean, we find this a lot with, with clients, say a procurement process or a compliance process, typically designed for a large scale vendor onboarding process or a large scale insurance partner onboarding process. And it just isn't feasible for to, to, to spend a year or so or six months going through this very, very complex process for something that is completely unproven or small scale. So we talk about this idea of startup grade processes and we're helping a number of clients with that. The idea of taking your standard processes and working out which elements of them are absolutely mandatory. And a great example is GDPR. You can't not be GDPR compliant. There's, that's not an option. You can't say, well, I'm small, therefore I'm not going to do it. Again, that's not an option. But you can choose not to have the same level of rigor of a risk assessment if you have a fixed cap on the amount of GWP that might run through that business or the amount of the size of the, the customer base that you engage with if it's, a, if it's a supplier, for example. So again, the startup grade processes is absolutely critical. And then on the scaling side, I mean, you, you start to get into lots and lots of detail here about all the specifics to different companies. But starting with a view to scale, we certainly were talking to a client the other day that said we had to bin a trial that we did and totally start again because we focused too much on speed and absolutely not at all on scale. So we just had to rebuild the whole thing from scratch. And the vast majority of what we did was, was a waste of, of time and effort. So we see those three areas, identification, onboarding, scaling being equally challenging as i said on the identification side um we've tried to tackle that as, as head-on as possible with this reform that's no, really that's really interesting and, and, and picking up from that that the element of education that that i suppose is a key part of your you bridging the gap between the incumbents and the insure techs is that education piece about actually bringing them together yeah because there's such different cultures let alone the actual operational elements of it absolutely i mean there's just, there's a lot again lots of different ways that you can look at that i mean we a lot of corporates beat themselves up about not having that startup mentality. But actually, we try and encourage a, a balanced view of that because there's a certain amount with startups that like you have to grow up in order to engage with these big businesses. And a lot of them come to us a kind of year or so down the line and go, we said it we were very cocky at the beginning and we said it doesn't matter. And actually, we just have to do these things. And um, so I think there is a balance, but there are different things. So, for example, some incumbents build these you might call it innovation hubs that are slightly separate. And as long as they're well thought through, they can be very useful because you can create a slightly more startup friendly culture in an area where there is the ability to innovate and take different risks, um, but with a culture that's slightly different, but not so different so that when you want to scale, as I was mentioning before, it's just impossible to do so. Listen, this is really fascinating stuff. And I'd like to move on to the, for 25 in a second. Just a final kind of question in terms of the the shift of uh, the relationship between the two parties. I mean, in terms of strategic arms, the, 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 again, have you seen a, a shift and acceleration in terms of the strategic ventures, the strate strategic arms being developed by the bigger, uh, by the incumbents? Yes, absolutely. So we, we're seeing an increasing shift away from kind of let's do innovation to being more strategic about it. So if you look at the likes of AXA, for example, um, at the back end of last year, they announced that all of their innovation activities would be under a single leadership. So they've consolidated those all into a, a single um, 
business unit as it as it were if you look at um Anels, for example they've moved away from kind of internal kind of business building to strategic investments and a lot of insurers are, are, are being much clearer about where they believe the value is to their business the few things that they think they should be should be focused on and i think that's absolutely critical because um it's fact thinking about it the other day it's easy to forget, but insurance basically touches every aspect of everything. I mean, it, I mean, insurance is a part of pretty much any business operation in the world. And there are very few industries that are that are like that. And therefore, when someone says, well, how do we innovate? It's like, well, I mean, if we're talking about shipping wine across the world versus car insurance versus liability versus the type of stuff that you guys do. I mean, those are just hugely different. Where do we even start? And I think... That has been a challenge of focus, but I think that's absolutely become much clearer in people's heads in the last few months. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you're absolutely right. The, the insurance industry, I mean, every startup, you know, every business has to have insurance. It's, again, it's a key pillar of, of being in business. So, you know, it's tremendous opportunities to transform and disrupt, which moves me neatly on to uh, the 25. Now, we haven't got time, and it's not fair to the listener probably to plow through the wall. So I've, I've asked you really just to, to have a look at maybe the two or three from the list. And again, it's not uh, dismissing any of the others, but just as an example of two or three where, which you see making a real change, a real disruption, and perhaps the ones that you think yeah. are most likely to, to have a major impact. Well, if it's okay, I'll pick a bit of a combination of kind of categories and, and specific examples. Super. And as you were implying there, I'm absolutely not saying that these are my favorite. They're just, they're just, uh, Particularly interesting. Well, I, I, forced, I forced you into this, Greg. So the only the only one to be yes, as you to be paid. But I did. I mean, it was it was kind of an interesting exercise, and there's definitely a few that I I think there's kind of there's kind of small small specifics about them that I, I particularly like. So on the data side, and um, uh, there's a lot going, a huge amount going on in data. And in fact, I picked this. I picked the example Cytora, uh, which turns unstructured data. Uh, so, I mean, you could take Facebook posts, you could take Google data, you, I mean, all sorts of things. Um, it was an example of, of, of local um, confidential ads or local newspaper data and turning it into risk. So, for example, if you've identified that there in the local newspaper, there's an announcement every five years of a fire in a particular part of a local town. If you're asked to insure that business or a business on that street, you might want to increase the premium because actually that data is suggesting that maybe it's a bigger risk even that in, though that individual business might not be um might not have had any claims in the last few years so they take unstructured data and turn it into structured risk insight and it's a bit coincidental that actually there's a kind of similarity with the, the premonition model there yeah, completely. um so we 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 um and i did definitely just i did definitely pick that independently and then realize the link afterwards yeah i'm um, not just a shameless plug um uh, but I like those models because typically insurers have their data sets, have their kind of concrete data from the questions they ask or or very well-defined third-party data sources. And this idea of saying, actually, the, the, there's so much data available, the challenge then becomes analyzing it and understanding it. So there's a lot happening in data. As I said, Excitor is one example. The likes of Carpe data is another. Um, there's one specific example I quite like. So a lot of the startups... Um, a lot of the startups, I mean, slightly less so now, but certainly a year ago, were trying to change the insurance model, trying to change the world. And there's a company called Risk Genius that I really like because they've gone, they've said there are 
lots of paper PDF scanned policy documents around the world, hundreds of thousands, millions. I mean, it's a particular, I mean, they're, they're, U, they're US based, but they're moving into Europe and things like this. Um, and they've just embraced it. So rather than saying, let's change the world and put everything on blockchain tomorrow, let's just admit that there are all these PDF documents and paper documents everywhere and help people solve that problem, which is a problem that the insurers have today or brokers. And um, so what they do is they analyze, the, they do um, you know, analysis of the PDFs or the scan documents or text documents or whatever it is, and they identify the clauses. They kind of turn that into data. They identify the clauses that are in those policies and allow you to compare them. So the example they always give is how many of my policies have a war exclusion clause in them? And it might be written in 10 different ways across or even more across all the policies you've got. But using their analysis, they can say, look, here are the policies to do with war exclusions. And we can see that they're in 50 percent or 25 percent, whatever it is, of our, of our policies. Again, as I said, I like it because it's it's you know, retro innovation. It's it's today's pro solving today's problem with new technology rather than trying to reinvent insurance. Um, and then another one, again, that I quite like on the on the so those the uh, sorry those previous examples are on the supplier side so they are providing um, services into insurers on the distribution side there's a insurtech in UK called Zigo um, the idea the kind of basic idea is nothing particularly new it does um, it's been around for a few years they provide um, uh, insurance into gig economy workers so kind of Deliveroo Uber that type of thing um, and it's usage based again that's nothing particularly but what i like about them is that they're the the insight behind is that they are going with the fact that people don't want to think about insurance a lot of startups well certainly a year or so ago were always about how do i make insurance beautiful sexy interesting and these guys have gone it's not beautiful sexy or interesting we're going to try and make it as simple as possible so barring the initial sign up on their app the rest of it is entirely seamless you go on you turn on your Deliveroo app or your Uber app, and it all just works in the background. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to do anything else. It just operates. And I, as I said, I, I like it because they kind of they tackle the issue of insurance is boring um, head on, which I think is which I think is great. So those are probably the examples I would pick. Yeah, that's brilliant. And and, and again, just just to reiterate that the other twenty two are also uh, superb. And I forced yep. Greg into a selection process, so that was not uh, that was not his fault. But listen, really interesting. I love the retro innovation uh, concept. That's fantastic. When everyone's running around trying to you know change the world, they're actually taking what we've got and doing something retro and, and innovative with that. So that's really interesting. Final point on the report, actually, and, and I think this is actually also a very useful check for those executives that are looking at this. You've got an executive checklist that kind of finishes off the report yeah. Uh, yeah. to help kind of help executives kind of harness these opportunities. Quick headline uh, on that, Greg. Yeah, so we, we um, recommend people look at four things they're doing. So if you're, in, if you're an insurer or a broker and you're um, wanting to work out where you should be focused, four things, and, and the, the, at the high level there, they're nothing particularly new, but it's but we still bump into clients struggling with these problems and not always tackling all four elements of them. So the first one is is leadership, and that's absolutely critical. It's both the individuals you pick to drive innovation, because the type of personality that you need is not necessarily the obvious either insurance expert or kind of creative thinker. Because if, if what you're trying to do is get to scale, you need somebody that can help you get to scale, not just come up with lots of, kind of interesting ideas. 
And those individuals need clear objectives. So that's leadership, um, strategy. Uh, so understanding your beliefs about the future, where you see the world going and making decisions about what you're going to test and what you're not going to, to test. Um, there's a really good example of that that I like from um, one, one client where the innovation lead said, uh, I don't believe blockchain is going to have any impact on the insurance industry. However, there is a 5% chance that it will. And if that happens, it will completely disrupt our business model. So we should be spending at, le at least X million, a very for them, a very tiny percentage of what they were doing on understanding it and mitigating against that risk. And I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. It's like, I don't believe it, but we should be doing something about it. Um, so that's strategy where you're prioritizing. Mm -hmm. Execution and funding is all the stuff that we're talking about at the moment with moving from these pilots and making things happen. And that's startup grade processes, making sure things are repeatable, efficient. You can get things on board. You can try them. Um, great example, Eula Hermes Digital Agency set up a big data sandbox. And after kind of struggling to do one POC in six months, they did 77 the following year, having set up the sandbox. It's all that about kind of thinking in advance about the repeatability, making sure you've got the budget for it and the budget is willing to accept the type of innovation risks. And then finally performance and investor comms. It's really difficult for insurers who typically think in that 12-month cycle of losses and premium to think in a different way about what value is. Is it financial? Is it qualitative? Is it quantitative? Um, is it just about the volume of throughput of activity? And it's there's no right answer necessarily, but it's definitely a different way of thinking. Oh, well, listen, Greg, really fascinating. A fascinating bridge that you provide between the two sides, uh, incumbents and insurtech markets. I mean, we're, we're off to uh, San Antonio, or some of our team are, uh, the Alamo country, San Antonio, are from the 15th to the 18th of April, where we've got a booth at the RIMS conference, risk management. Do you guys cover risk management at all? Uh, in, a, in some ways, yes. Yeah. So typically, as part of the work we do, we, we're not a risk management consulting business. Um, but I mean, as I was talking about things like startup grade processes, your the risk management frameworks need to take into account the different approach to risk that you're taking with these types of businesses. And this isn't about giving innovation a kind of free reign to do whatever it wants, but it's about realizing that you're testing different things mm -hmm. and that um, you need kind of clear boundaries around it, but the but the ability to get things through quickly to be able to test things. So, I mean in the terms of what we do, it's absolutely critical to this type of work because otherwise you, you rely on the methods that work well for the existing business, but they slow down the innovation process. Yeah, got it. Well, we're, we're there and uh, we still find, you know, all these wonderful, it's a wonderful era of technology. We still find that actually meeting and explaining to people in person uh, it has a massive impact. So from, from our perspective, it's a, it's a great meeting ground between the incumbents and the tech market. Uh, the insure tech market. Greg, thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation. Uh, really interesting. For those that are interested in look, looking further, the insure tech impact 25 report link will be uh, on this podcast page. Or of course, you can get hold of Greg and his team at Oxbow Partners. Greg, thanks again. Pleasure. Thank you.